Praise the Lord. I know what you guys are thinking. Oyenka, you lost mad weight. Oh my God. Come on, get over it. It was bound to happen at some point, right? Um, let's just say a quick word of prayer. In Jesus' name. Father, open our hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to welcome you to Takeover Sunday. Those of you online, you're welcome. Um, there's, a, there's a meaning behind the name Takeover that goes beyond that rising generation took over Sunday. It's because as we go into this topic, you start to see that your main purpose here is to take over. Amen? It's to do what? It's to take over. Those of you online, it's to do what? I can't hear you. No, I literally can't hear you. It's not possible. Today I'll be talking on this is me. This is me. And your, your identity, who you are, is defined by four things, four main things. The first is ownership. Ownership meaning who claims you? Whose possession are you? Who do you belong to? Even if you didn't know my name, but you knew Pastor Chenidu Emmanuel, if someone came and said, oh, someone came to the house and you said, who did? And you said, oh, Pastor Chenidu Emmanuel's son. For most of you, I'm assuming that would be good enough, right? I'm assuming. No, it won't be. Okay, let me give you another example. If someone knocked on your front door and said, hi, I'm PSE and G, I'm here to read your meter. Would you let them in? You wouldn't? Well, I mean, I would. I would. Um, unless, you know, they are dressed up in a way that does not, you know, reflect that they work at PSENG, like if they wore a UPS uniform and they knocked on your door and said, I'm from PSENG, I want to read your, your meter, then I would be like, yeah, okay. Um, ownership. The second thing is your purpose. Your purpose meaning for what reason? Why did this person or this organization claim you? What is the long-term goal that they're trying to achieve? And then your calling. Your calling meaning what is your role? What is your role in that plan, in that long-term plan? And then the fourth one, your legacy. I won't talk about legacy because if you were here on, um, on Thursday, we talked about leaving a footprint, and everything you need to know about legacy is there. But I'm going to start with purpose. Everyone say purpose. Your purpose is determined by ownership. So actually, I'm going to start with ownership. Ownership, right, your purpose determines your, your ownership determines your purpose. Now, I gave the example of if someone showed up wearing a UPS uniform and said, I want to read your meter, you would find that weird, right? Would you? Because for as, as long as I've lived in America, it has never been the, the function of UPS to read my electric meter. 
the two conflict. So, because somebody is owned by UPS, somebody between the hours of whenever their shift is, their time belongs to UPS. When they come and tell me my purpose is this, and they tell me I am representing this, the two in my mind have to connect. You understand what I'm saying? The two have to connect. Otherwise, I'm shutting the door. You're not coming in. Who owns you? Ask yourself that question. Who owns you? To whom do you belong? Who has legally lamed claim to you? Is it you? Is it God? Or do you feel like nobody has a claim to me? Does it depend? Does it vary? depending on circumstances? Or are you undecided? Is it Fox News that owns you? Is it CNN? Is it BLM that owns you? Who owns you? Who can come and say, you know what? I bought this person with a price. I created this person. I made this person. I claimed this person as my own. Who has the right to do that? I already answered it for you. God. You're not your own. You belong to God. You belong to God. If you look at Galatians 3.26... It says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's go to 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Romans 14, 8. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We are whose? We are the Lord's. Ephesians 2, 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are whose workmanship? God's own. In fact, not only did God make you, God made you, you walked away, gave yourself to somebody else, and then God went and paid again to get back what was actually his in the beginning. Can you imagine buying a house and then one day the house is just like, you know what, I ain't feeling you and kicks you out. And then you have to go back through the same process to buy the house again. 
Actually, imagine building a house and the house kicks you out and then you have to go and buy the house back. He has a double claim to you. Double claim. Whose are you? Seriously. Ownership determines purpose. The purpose is the long-term plan. Listen, if you work for the FBI, you're not going to be mopping floors in some high school unless you're on a mission. If you work for uh, Goldman Sachs, more than likely, you're not going to be doing heart surgery on the operating table. I hope to God you're not doing heart surgery on the operating table. Please, for the love of God, put the scalpel down and stop. From telling me you work for Goldman Sachs, from telling me you work for St. Barnabas Hospital, I can kind of gauge what your purpose is there. Even without you telling me. You understand what I'm saying? From me telling you I belong to God, you know good and well that God already has a purpose for me. The same way if you work for PSANG, PSANG has a purpose for you. Remember that purpose is the long-term plan. Now, before I move forward, I just want you to keep something in mind. We and Jesus we're one. We're one body. You understand what I'm saying? If the purpose for me is to move to Italy, guess where my leg is going when my head goes there? It's going to Italy. If the purpose is for me to die on a cross, guess what's going to happen to my leg when my head dies? It's going to die. What was Christ's purpose? Because even Christ, even Jesus, God had a purpose for him. Now, let's go to Ephesians 1, verse 6 to 10. To the praise and glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he had made, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Both which are in heaven and which are on earth. In Christ. In who? In Christ. This is God's long-term plan. This was his long-term plan for Jesus. That he will gather everything and sum it all up in Christ. Let's go to um, Ephesians 1, 9 to 10. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took, so, he took such delight in making. He set it all 
out before us in Christ. In Christ. A long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven. Everything on planet earth. Everything summed up in him. Him being the center. Everything made for him. Working by him. Through him. In him. In long story short, Jesus was made to rule all. Jesus was made to what? To rule all. Everything was made for him, by him, through him. So we see here that the long-term goal, the long-term plan that God had for Jesus, the reason why he set him to the side before the world began is so that he can bring all things and sum it all up in Christ. I'd like to remind you that we are joined with Christ. Psalm 110, verse 1 to 4. I mean, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness. From the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your mouth. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. We are one body in Christ. That's what Romans 12 2 tells us. Now, what is your purpose? What is God's long-term goal for you? It can really be summed up in two words. Holy and righteous. God's long-term plan for you is for you to be holy and righteous. Colossians 3.12 Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Ephesians 4.24 Put on the new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Ephesians 1, 3 to 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy. And if you've ever wondered what righteous means, it's to be without fault in his eyes. 
God's long-term plan for you is for you to be holy and without fault in his eyes. What do I mean by holy? Set apart. Set apart. Set apart. Now, this purpose, this very purpose to be holy and righteous is not your responsibility. It's his responsibility. He fulfills his purpose for you. Amen? I can't stress this enough. For the love of God, stop trying to be holy. Stop trying to be without fault in God's eyes. Or rather, I should say, stop trying to act in a manner that you perceive is without fault in God's eyes. God's purpose for your life is his to fulfill, not yours. Remember that verse that said he purposed within himself. You see, he even fulfilled his own purpose for Jesus. He fulfilled it because Jesus is God. They're one and the same. So the purpose for Jesus that God had is to take everything and sum it all up in him for Jesus to be the center to rule everything and the purpose for you is that you be set apart and without fault in his eyes both of which God has already accomplished you're already what? holy you're already holy this is not something to come. This is not something that is going to happen. It already happened. You're already holy. You're already set apart. Now, ownership determines purpose. Ownership also determines your calling. Because in the example, PSNG tells this guy, we want you to go out there. This is your role. Our role is, we want to provide, it. our purpose is to provide electricity to people and get paid. Because it's not a charity. Your role is to go out to people's houses and read their meters and let us know how much money they owe us. Within PSNG, that's his calling. And he better read that mirror with all his heart. Now that you know the purpose, what is your calling? What is your role in this plan? What is your role in the plan? Remember, your joint heads with Christ. And the purpose for Jesus is for everything to be summed up in him. So what is your role in that? Let's go to 1 Peter 2, verse 9 to 10. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work. What is your calling? To be a priest.
chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. To tell others to the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Your calling, your calling is to represent Christ, for him to speak through you. That's it. That's it. That is it. You're a representative of Christ. That's who you are. This is me. I am a child of God. I am set apart. I am without fault in his eyes. And I am here to represent him. That's it. That's you. 2 Corinthians 5, from verse 16 to 21. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong. As you know, we certainly don't look at him that way anymore. We now look inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah has a, gets a fresh start. It's created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong. So we could... That's it. You're here to represent him. You're here to represent him. So that when people look at you, they see Christ. So when people look at you, so that when you speak, people know, hey, God has no more beef with me. The war is over. Let's go to uh, Ephesians 1, verse 20 to 23. All these energy issues from Christ, God raised him from 
death and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is, he is in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. You're basically an ethernet switch. You're basically an ethernet switch. Whenever you interact with someone, they're interacting with Christ. Through you, he fills all things with his presence. John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. If you go to verse 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. And it shall be done for you. Your calling is to bear fruit. But it tells you you can't bear fruit unless you abide in me and I in you. And in case you're wondering, you think that sounds cryptic, let me be clear. Unless my words abide in you. How do you represent Christ? Simple. Let his word abide in you. It's just that simple. Let his words abide in you richly and inevitably you will represent him. Let his words abide in you richly and inevitably you will represent him. When you talk, you represent him. When you act, you will represent him, inevitably. You couldn't not represent him even if you tried. Everything is to be summed up in Christ. Christ is at the center of it all. In Christ, there's no division. There's no division. The Bible says in Galatians, um, is it? 328, there's neither Jew, there's no Greek. There's no slave, there's no free, no male, no female. No liberal, no conservative. There's no red church, there's no blue church. There's no black, there's no white. There's just Christ and those that are joined in him, period. There's just Christ 
There's just who? Christ. Can you imagine how confusing it would be in heaven if Jesus uh, had Jew and Greek, black and white in him? Like, imagine how frustrating that would be for the administrative department in heaven if Jesus came to fill out a form and he said, name, Jesus, occupation, high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, race, it depends. Which limb are you talking about? Because my hand is white, my leg is black, my right ear is Jewish. How confusing would that be? Bro. Bro. That includes you ladies. Bro. My head is black, so is my hand. My nose is Nigerian, so are these teeth. They are all Nigerian. If you took my teeth and got a DNA test, you will find Nigerian. You're not going to take blood from my leg and see Caucasian DNA and then take it from my cheek and see a completely different DNA. It's not possible. Right? It's not possible. It's not possible. And if it's possible with you, you need to donate your body to medical science for studies. We're all one in Christ. No black, there's no white, there's no liberal, there's no conservative. And the purpose is for everything to be summed up, to be ruled by Christ, summed up in him. And your calling is to represent him. It's for Jesus to speak through you, act through you, telling people, hey, I want to be your friend. Sounds childish. But really, that's his message. I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. Can we play together? I want to be your friend. That's his message. So simple. Even a child can understand it. You are owned by God. This is you. You're owned by God. Your purpose is to be set apart and without fault in his eyes. And that is not of your doing. He already did that. Your calling is to represent Christ. And how do you represent Christ? Simple. Just let his word abide in you richly. The word takes care of the rest. Let his word abide in you richly and inevitably, inevitably, you will find yourself knowingly or unknowingly Speaking like Christ, acting like Christ. It's just that simple. The Bible calls us a royal priesthood. You know what a priest does? A priest is a representative in a mediary role. We're here to represent the truth. Jesus is the truth. We're not here to represent our opinions or facts. I'm going to repeat that. You're not here to represent your opinions or interpretations or statistics and studies. 
you're here to represent the truth. Not a truth, the truth. Jesus. I'll give you a practical example. You see two people. Oh my God, Trump. Trump is good. Ah, Trump. The other person is like, bro, Trump is good. Why is he good? He's like, what do you mean why is he good? He's lowering taxes, more jobs for black people. That's why I'm going to subject myself to him and respect him. The other person is like, what do you mean? He's a racist. He doesn't care about immigrants. That's why I'm not going to subject myself to him and that's why I don't respect him. Which of those two people is representing the truth? Neither. This is how the devil lures you away from the truth. Neither are representing Christ. The one who represents Christ will come and say the following. Say, my people, I've heard you. The Bible says in Romans 13, 1 to 2, let every soul be subject to governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. There is no authority except from who? Even Jesus, when he was about to get killed, acknowledged the authority. Was it Pilate? I forgot. Was it Pilate? He acknowledged his authority. He said, you would have no power over me except that which has been given to you. He acknowledged his authority because it it was given to him by God. Who are you? Who who are you to oppose? God, God has said there's no authority on this earth. There's no authority except it is me. Except it's me. Who are you to go against the truth? Who are you to exalt your opinion? Whether you're for Trump or against Trump, it's, it's irrelevant to anything. That you exalt your opinion above the truth. Who are you? Seriously, who are you? The one who represents the truth is the one who says, according to 1 Peter 2.17, love your spiritual family, revere God, respect the government. So I will subject myself to Trump. I will respect him. I won't talk about him behind his back. The one who represents the truth is the one who says, according to Titus 3, 1 to 2, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey, to be ready for every good work. It's not about whether I agree with him or not agree with him. It's about the person who owns me. The person whom I represent says he appointed him as the governing authority and that I should respect him. And that's the end for me. I'm respecting him. It's just that simple. No need for debate. Case closed. Those of you who are like, yeah, 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 you should support Trump. If Joe Biden becomes president, will you, will you apply this scripture? Will you, I hope you do. I hope you apply it and respect him. 
There's no liberal, there's no conservative in Christ. It's just Christ. It's just the truth. Guys, beware of human thinking. Beware of human thinking. Listen. I'll, I'll, I'll go into that later. Let's go to Colossians 2, 8 to 10. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. Rubbish. But it sounds eloquent. It sounds logical. It sounds factual. Could be even factual. But it's not the truth. That come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. Where does it come from? It comes from the spiritual powers of this world. Oh my God, I'm conservative. You're a liberal. What's wrong with you? It's all from the spiritual powers of this world. It's like they're just puppets. Dance, dance, my puppets, dance. And believers are just dancing to their tune. You've forgotten that your calling is to represent Christ. It's to represent the truth, the truth. that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Christ, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Let's go to Colossians 3, 1 to 3. For if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. Concern yourself with the things that concern Christ. Don't shuffle along eyes to the ground absorbed with the things right in front of you. Oh my God, George Floyd. Guys, the devil is just playing games with the church. Like, it has gotten so ridiculous to the point where Christians sound strange. The past few months, I've intentionally avoided listening to Christians because you speak a strange language. You have shifted from speaking the truth to speaking your opinion, your interpretation of studies and statistics and facts. It's become poison for me. Poison. Beware of human thinking. The devil will come and put it right in your face. Colossians 3 1 to 3. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. Not right what's going on in front of you. What's going on around Christ. He's the center of it all. 
That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. The word, man. The word, man. Gauge everything with the word. Gauge everything against the word. Don't just get emotional because some black guy got killed. Gauge everything with the word. Focus on Christ. What's going on around Christ? If you don't, you become prey to the devil. Let me tell you something you've probably never heard before. And I say that very sarcastically if you can't tell. The moment you get dragged to the realm of reasoning, you become prey to the devil. You've never heard that before, right? You've, you've never heard it before, right? I mean, it's only been said like 10 times from this pulpit. The moment you get dragged to the realm of reasoning, you become the devil's prey. Guys, come on. The devil has been doing this for a very long time. He's good. He's really good. Really good. In fact, he's so good that even when Jesus told Peter, tonight, not tomorrow, tonight, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times, but don't worry, I've prayed. Even with that knowledge, he still denied him. He's so good that even though Jesus said to the disciples, one of you will betray me, Judas literally, in that same meal, went and betrayed him. You stand no chance. You stand no chance. Calm down. Let me finish my sentence. Outside of God. I could feel the pastor's like eyes just like, what is he talking about? Outside of God, you stand no chance. Outside of the safety of the word, you stand no chance. He will sift you as wheat. I was telling production crew, you'll be here as a minister. No, not a minister. You'll be here as a choir singer. And then suddenly you're in Somalia in prison for child molestation and you're like, wait, how did I go from here to here? Like, you can't trace it back. The subtle steps he moved you to get to that point. You can't trace it. Stand no chance. And this is what he does. This is what he does. He knows what will trigger you. He knows how to get your attention. He knows how to take your mind off the truth. Whatever you focus on, good or bad, if it's not the truth, please, for the love of God, go back and focus on the truth. Whether you perceive that thing to be good or bad, to be right or wrong. As a matter of fact, in Christ, there's no right or wrong. There's just what he said. And your response to it. There's just what he has said and your response to it. Come on, man. You sound strange. Sounds so strange. Beware of 
offenses. Matthew 24, verse 10 to 12. It says, and then many will be offended. This was, he was talking about, if you read the verses before, he was talking about the last days, like how you could tell the end is coming. Isn't it funny that we're seeing it now? What do they call it? CC, cancel culture. Cancel culture. I save 100 children and then I make one mistake and I deserve to die. I get fired from my job. My wife leaves me. I get tagged by society as the devil. He said in the last days, many will be offended. People's sensitivity will increase because they've deviated from the truth. They will betray one another. They will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. 2 Timothy 2, 23-26 It says, But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Oh my God. I'm a liberal. I'm a conservative. The conversation needs to start. Uh, to generate strife. And the devil is behind the scenes. Dance, my minions, dance. Beware of deceiving spirits. First Timothy 4, 1 to 5. The spirit makes it clear. As time goes on, some are going to give up on the faith and chase after demonic illusions put forth by professional liars. These liars have lied so well and for so long that they've lost their capacity for truth. They will tell you the devil is Lord, worship him, all hail Lucifer, right? They'll be so obvious. He says they'll tell you, oh, don't get married. Very simple things. Oh, don't eat this or that. Very, very simple things. You would think that they're going to come out and be like, oh, we are Satan worshippers. Worship the devil. Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. Nope. They may not even mention the devil or Jesus. They'll tell you something so simple. But God gives us the formula for how to detect them and how to not fall prey to their lies. They will tell you not to eat this or that. Food perfectly good for God created to be eaten heartily and with thanksgiving by believers who know better. Everything God created is good and to be received with thanks. Nothing is to be sneered at and thrown out. God's word and our prayers make every item in creation holy. You are sanctified by the word of God. Whenever something comes, take it and 
purge it with the word. You know what the word does to thoughts? You know what it does to ideas? You know what it does to suggestions that come in your mind? You know what it does to statistics that you saw that evoke certain emotions? It takes it and burns off anything that is not from God. And if the entire thing is not from God, there will be nothing left. You just discard it. If some of it makes it through that burning process, take that part that made it through. You are sanctified by the word of God. The word of God chips away at everything that is not from him. Everything that isn't according to his purpose, he chips it away. Which is why you have to gauge everything against the truth. Don't just let yourself get emotional. Don't just do that. The word is enough. The word does not need assistance. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. For instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Where my social justice warriors at? It thoroughly equips you for every good work. Every. Doesn't matter what it is. The word of God is what equips you for it. And it doesn't just equip you, it thoroughly equips you. You don't need a different article, you don't need studies, you don't need statistics. When you give yourself to God's word, it equips you for every good work. The word is enough. What happens when you add to the word is that the word equips you and the other thing you added, de-equips you. The word is enough. It is sufficient for you to do every good work. It is sufficient. On July 8th, I was at work. And it was close to my break time. I was like, you know, during my break time is when, like, me and YouTube, we become partners for 15 minutes. Not my lunch break. We get, like, this, you know, break before your lunch break. The pre-lunch break break, I call it. And then literally all I heard in my spirit was Hosea 4, 6. Hosea 4, 6. Later on, God began to teach me. This is a message to the church, to the body of Christ. If I read this, remember, you are God's possession 
His purpose for you is to be set apart and without fault in His eyes. His calling for your life is that you represent Him. You're a priest. Through you, He speaks, He acts, and fills all with His presence. You're called to represent the truth. And this was the message he gave me for the church. And when he gave it to me, I was like, well, when you, when you open the door to tell, to tell people, I'll tell them. Hosea 4. I'm just going to read 1 and 6. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, you church, you the church, you his body. Hear the word of the Lord. For the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth and mercy or knowledge of God in the land. The land that you're supposed to be representing the truth in, God has looked down and there is no truth. There is no mercy. And you want to know why there is no truth? Because you, the representatives of truth, and not representing the truth. You've shifted to represent your opinions and your interpretations of facts. There's no mercy. This is the danger of not representing the truth. The danger is that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. This is a warning. The moment you stop representing the truth, you can no longer speak for God. The moment you exalt your opinion, your feelings, your emotion, black, white, all that stuff, above the truth of God's word, you can no longer speak for God. That's when, when you open your mouth, you start to sound strange. God rejects you as a priest for him if you reject the truth. If you devalue the truth and exalt lies and your opinion, you cease to be a priest for God. You can't represent him. You can't. Even if you speak the Bible, even if you open the Bible and talk scriptures, you won't be speaking for God. That's the danger. That's the danger of rejecting the truth. You're called to represent the truth. You're not called to represent your political views. Without your for Trump, against Trump, red, blue, conservative, liberal, black, all lives matter, black lives matter, Asian lives matter. That's not your calling. Your calling is to represent the truth. Your calling is to allow God's word to abide in you richly so that he can speak through you and act through you and fill all with his presence. 